Welcome to a new episode of No Ride Around, and today I think we have a pretty fun episode. Um, Justin and I are going to be, you know, it's for me, it's been a lifelong journey to the point that I'm at as a bike rider, um, and some people, a lot of people that I know, uh, especially through the store, they're pretty new to this whole thing, and so I thought it would be fun, um, and same for Justin, he's been doing this for a hot minute. Um, I thought it would be a really fun episode to kind of go through some key moments in our history as, as bike riders that got us to the point or made us the the bike rider that we are currently. You know, we were, you you brought up this as an episode idea, and I was like, dude, awesome! And then you threw a huge disclaimer on there. You like stamped it, and you said, "But they can't be racist." And you guys. Have, if you've listened to the last few episodes, you've kind of heard that a little bit, or we've tried to push it to have more with bike riding or bike adventuring or bike experience that's not just pure racing. Um, and that's not because we aren't a race team or it's not because we don't live and die by our, our own race schedules, but it's just because we want to broaden like the reach, broaden the idea of what bikes are, both as a member of No Ride Around part of our community or just people that listen to us in general. And so this was going to be a good aside from that, like, Hey, no races. And then as we're getting ready to record literally right before Harley hit the record button, he goes, but I got to put one race in there. <laughs> and I was <laughs> like, all right, I'll get, but the thing is racing really, you usually reach the depths of who you are. And so racing does have, it's kind of built up to be transformative in a way. Yep. Um, but I, I thought that this idea, your idea was, was unique and original and fun because it made me dig into like my, my real experience and get to more of like the heart of bike riding instead of these. Yeah. That was an exponential jump. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and I, if it's any consolation, I really wrestled and I kind of had to pick, you know, it's always good if you can have some sort of story arc, right? Like, you know, it's better for everybody. It's better for my brain to be able to put it together in some sort of, uh, you know, uh, content that people can follow along. It's more entertaining. So you want this arc, right? And so I kind of had to, I was like, man, I need to pick three moments in the last 30 plus years of, of pedaling a bike around. Um, and the first one was easy. The second one was pretty easy. And the third one, I'm just like, man, like, you know, the last six years of my life have been very racing focused with the exception of one year. Um, and like you can't like for me, I can't leave that out. And so um I, I definitely wrestled with kind of going back on what I said, but I, I don't know. I, I just I needed it in there. And then I, I was like, you know, if you need a mulligan, like go ahead and throw one in yeah, for yeah, yourself. No, I, I like that. So let's do I'm trying to figure out how to best structure this. So I think chronologically makes sense. So yeah. Yep. Uh, my my first one is going to be like 2007, 2008. It's going to be 2008. So I, I stuck within, you know, current-ish. Um, so 2008, because I, I let the childhood stuff, I kind of let that breathe a little bit, right? Because, you know, everything you remember from your childhood is 
like all. Oh, it's like it rose tinted and totally. Yeah, just a little. It's like got like the misty lens flares yeah, yeah, and the yeah, whole everything thing. Everything was great. <laughs> everything was cool. Um, but so I so I left those a little bit. And so my first one is oh wait. So do you have something older than 08? I do. All right, um, so we'll start with you. So. You and I have been working on some video content, and part of that was like a little interview session here. And I kind of touched on on this story a little bit there, but I was a little off kilter. But it was very important to um, my development as a mountain biker. Um, and so you've heard a little bit of this, but I got a little bit better rounded out. So I don't even know what year it was. It was probably 1991 or two. Um, just after some of those super cool pictures I sent you the other day, yeah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I got a, uh, I got a big photo dump, uh, from a, uh, family member adjacent and it had the, the best one was the football picture. <laughs> yeah. Harley in like these giant oversized shoulder pads in his No, they facial... were normal. Yeah. You were, yeah. I weighed looked... eight pounds. <laughs> so the, the. The meme tag, like that game, What's Your Meme? If I yeah. had that photo. Oh, for sure. Um, would be not interested. Super not the, interested. Is the meme for that picture. It's like a football bench, sitting on a football bench and being like, there's, I don't want to be here. And I got to, you know, I played that night. It was fine. I just, like, it was, it was always bikes. Yeah. My number 29. Dude, yeah. it just, I, go, I go, man, you knew wheel sizes were changing out of the gate. Great. Uh, so it was around that. It was definitely like... You know, into elementary school, high school, middle school, or uh, um, not high school, junior high, middle school type time. Um, but I lived in a rural part of Louisiana called Folsom. It was about an hour and change outside of New Orleans. Um, but my bro, my best friend, the guy that I was closer to than my, my actual biological brother, Colin, still lived in New Orleans. And so I would weekends, summers, etc. And out in Folsom, it was football, and I just had a BMX bike. But in the in the the time in between, he had gotten into mountain bikes, and he was like my mountain bike guru, dude. Like he had, he was kind of like half working at Bicycle Michaels, and like he was hanging out with all the cool mountain bike dudes. And he had, looking back on it now, not a dope mountain bike, but certainly seemed like a dope mountain bike. Um. And, um, I came into town and he's like, dude, like the, the BMX bikes are gone. Like the, 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 the mountain bike is the thing now. I'm like, all right, cool. So one summer we begged, borrowed, stole like a Trek antelope rental bike from bicycle Michaels, basically for the summer, they were super cool about it. Um, and we just tore ass all over new Orleans, but there's no mountain biking, right? Like there's no, it's not like Denver here where 20 minutes away via car or an hour away via pedal, you can ride on actual dirt. So we were just ripping levees, riding through parks, cutting through anything that wasn't pavement that we could find. <laughs> um, Urban mountain biking at its finest. Yeah. Um, but that was when we had Sebastian from, uh, from Crank Brothers on his story of like uh, doing basically the same thing in Miami, like really struck a chord. Um, but in New Orleans, there's a uh, city park. Now city park here in Denver is a joke compared to city park in New Orleans. It is massive. It is. Yeah, a and they have all those live oaks, all live oaks and pavilions beautiful. and the, uh, New Orleans museum of art is there. And it's just a great museum if you're into that sort of thing. Um, but it is huge. Right. Um, and 
again, you know, the the filter of youth and everything is probably not as big as I remember it. But, no, it's as big as the planet. But it's but <laughs> but not for nothing. City Park is a massive chunk of green space in an extremely urban environment. And there's a hill called Monkey Hill. Don't know why. Um, and I don't know what the origin of it is, it, but it's effectively just a pile of a giant pile of dirt that was probably from some construction thing or digging the canals or or whatever the case is. Um, but one day Colin and I get the bright idea, Hey, we're going to ride from the French quarter to city park, which actually isn't that far. And we're going to go mountain bike on monkey Hill, not at all built for that. Um, and so we ride out there, we kind of just like stumble around, start trying to figure out like, okay, this looks like a dirt trail that kind of goes over there. None of us, neither of us knew where we were going. This is well before any sort of like trail forks, forget about it. Um, and we go back there and we are just having a hoot. We don't know what we're doing. Like we're like monkey Hill is way too steep to be ridden up. It's loose. It's rooty. There's no trails cut really. And we're just basically pushing our bikes up to the top and half falling, half riding, half skidding down this thing, probably for well under 30 seconds of descending. Are you guys uh, like doing laps? Yeah. Side? We're just going up and down. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we're having a grand old time and then it starts raining. Like, the rain that you only get in the southeastern part of the United States. I mean, buckets. Like, Katrina rain. Not quite that. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, I mean, a really heavy rainstorm. I mean, it, it, it let loose. And within seconds of going, because we were going down the hill, within seconds, turns out that Monkey Hill is probably mostly clay. If you've ever ridden in clay, it you just... You didn't last long. It, <laughs> um. And God, we were little hooligans. I remember we both like we're in our early, you know, probably barely teenager, preteens. We both had knives on us. <laughs> and so like Consequently, to those of you listening, right now, as you're listening, they both also have knives on them. <laughs> never, never without. <laughs> you, you guys always have a knife. Mm-hmm. And then you actually apologize for it not being like a Drop good. a thin hair slicing <laughs> sharp on it. Hey, sorry, man. This likes, I mean, it's sharp enough to like probably, you know, totally kill and dismember somebody, but it's not sharp <laughs> enough to do it really fast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it starts raining. The bikes get completely gunked up. Our bikes are immobile. And the reason I remember that we were both carrying knives is because like we're sitting there with our knives, like trying to like muck the, the, the clay, mud, stick, grass, adobe mixture that is quickly building up on the bikes. Like we're trying to like muck it out of inside the chain stays. Which is how you want people to treat your demo bikes here from base camp, right? <laughs> we're like trying to get the wheels moving any which way we can. And then, you know, we got, I think we both got just, just a tick like nervous that like, man, maybe we're stuck. And again, it felt so much bigger than it was. I, th- I think by the time we got back out to a paved road, it was, I don't know, maybe 500 yards away from where we were. Like we were never that remote, but when you're a kid and the thing that you got there, the tool you use to get there gets stuck. Anyway, it stops raining. We're drenched just to the core, covered in mud, like head to toe. Um, we find like a, a little body of water and we're like, you know, like a golf ball washer where you like dunk it up and down. Right. Like we're doing that with the bikes. We finally get them pedaling. Um, and eventually we make it back to the house 
and the the shower and the food after that experience like i remember i can't remember exactly what movie it was but i remember we showered and we ate and we were watching a movie and it was warm and just like that the reason that this was a a pivotal moment was it it got me hooked on the adventure of the bike ride um and so that was that was really like what locked it in for me. It was like, it was everything, right? It was fun. It was scary. There was relief. There was good food at the end of it. Like the, it was the complete package at a pretty young age and it's taken, you know, looking 30 years in the rear view to see it. But like, I think for me that really, really locked in, like if there's a bike involved, I'm probably down. Dude, that's, <laughs> but to think you're doing it that young, you know what I mean? Like that's old school mountain biking. Mm-hmm. I mean, bike. Rim brakes and rigid forks. I mean, we have some guys on the team that are still wearing yeah. rigid forks. They're trying to push us on them. <laughs> You're a lunatic, Scott. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was again chronologically for me. That was like the the one that like locked it in and kind of set me on the path a little bit. I think like it moved from being a bike as a way to get around to like an adventure. Yep. Machine. Yep. Or like you know, previous to that, even like it. You know, when when it was BMX, it was trying to figure out how to do dope tricks and hit jumps and a motor transportation. Right. And then it like kind of evolved from there. Dude, I love it. <laughs> better, better fleshed out than better the last fleshed time. Out than the first time. <laughs> first time we were kind of, I was like, none of this is getting used in the interview Yeah, because he's reliving this as we talk about it. Yeah. But yeah. even now, as you told that, like you're like, there's a softness to it. Right. Cause yeah. it was like this, like, um, this, pre-life experience where everything's just kind of almost virgin, right? Like yeah. Like pure just didn't know what I didn't and, know. Yeah. It was, it was all very, uh, very wet behind the ears. That's funny that that's your first story because even though mine's much more recent, uh, it's the same idea, right? This wet behind the ears concept. So mine similarly, uh, 2008, right? And I know that's not super recent or super far away. Along in the further away than it feels, dude. It is when you start to do the math and you yeah. go, Oh, no, yeah, dude, no, that's a solid 13 years ago, right? So, 13 years ago, and I had bought um, a specialized stump jumper off of Craigslist. And I think I've talked about this bike before, but I bought off Craigslist, I think it was like you know, 700 bucks or something like that. And uh, 26 inch wheels, a matte gray, and it was my first foray into mountain biking since. College, really. Because um, I mountain biked in high school. Um, that bike disappeared in my sophomore year of college. I don't know where it went. And then biking was kind of just on the on the back burner, right? I didn't really do it quite a bit. So here in Colorado, I'm in Denver. I want to get into mountain biking. So I find a bike on Craigslist. I remember I used to love this. Hell, I still had my old park tool that was a gift uh, from a Christmas gift. that I still So I had the tools. Like a portable tool? Yeah, kind yeah. Of thing? Like, okay. yeah like, and I know that's a weird thing to think about, but I'll... It was enough for me to be like, I have a camelback and I have this tool. I'm basically a bike rider. I just need a bike. And so, <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm 90% of the way there. <laughs> I got a tool and a camelback. I'm basically there. Um, so I, I buy this bike off Craigslist. And so I'm, I'm trying to get back into riding mountain bikes. And so I wanted to start basic. And uh, at the time I had the Scout. I had, my, I had my truck to get to the trailhead. And it was um, Green Mountain, right? And so I go to Green Mountain on my own, and I'm just getting back into this, like getting back into all of it. So relearning everything and relearning what I can and can't do. Remember, there's a spot on Green Mountain, Green Mountain that I crashed, 
And then I consequently crashed on that spot every ride for like seven rides in a row. And this is an impactful story only because to this day, when I ride past that spot, I know the spots. I'm like, dude, that's brake check because that's the spot. And uh, so I feel it's like funny. that's come up on the podcast before. Yeah, yeah, I've talked about it before. <laughs> but my, um, my kind of mentor or guru that I leaned towards was this guy, Andy. And Andy was uh, from California. He's older than me by about 10 years. And he was a motocross racer. And he moved here to Colorado, got back into biking. He had the craziest thing. He had on his, his left leg was a man calf, like a normal man-sized calf, right? And he's a, b- a bike rider, so it was like a, a good calf. A well-developed. Right. On his right looked like just a shin bone, like he had no calf at all. And it was very goofy. He explained it to me. He had, his lower leg was – he was born with a deformity. His lower leg was basically born backwards. I think I've talked about him before uh, in the podcast too. Yep. And so surgically, he had to have it rotated over the course of like four years. Yeah. So he had a brace and everything. So anyhow, the calf atrophied and never grew. And so he had like this really weird deal. But he was a beast on the bike. And uh, I really looked up to him. He had a Crank Brothers dropper post. This is 2008, right? So that was like first gen droppers. I had that dropper post. It was terrible. <laughs> but he had like, it was the cool shit. Love he you, Crank the, Brothers. <laughs> he had all the cool shit. Yeah. And so he kind of became my guru, started riding with him. And... He set up a ride with him and a buddy, and to this day, I think it was like the biggest adventure ride I'd ever done. Um, looking back on it, it's not even a good training ride anymore. Here was the ride. It was a <laughs> shuttle, so he set up a shuttle. He lived over by Green Mountain, and we got in the truck with his bud, and his buddy drove to the start of the ride, which was at Chimney Gulch. <laughs> so so the, the giant adventure ride that we had, a two-car shuttle set up for, was going up Chimney Gulch. Then down Apex, up over Dakota Ridge to Green Mountain, and Green Mountain to his house. Okay? All right. So it's not even, like, I'd do that now from here. I'd ride from the shop and go do that. I, I, that's, that's a good hour and 30-minute ride for me nowadays, yeah. right? But then it was like a huge, it was a full day. We had camelbacks and food and, like, all the stuff as a shuttle. And I remember this ride because it was way out of scope for me, like, way out of my league. I was a Green Mountain bike rider, like, just learning there. And to climb Chimney Gulch and then descend Apex and then to go up over Dakota and then over to Green Mountain. Like this seemed like, I mean, it seemed like two Leadville 100s yeah. today, you know? Seemed like this giant thing. And throughout it, I was, I was off the back. I remember they climbed like all the stuff. I'm like, how do you guys get up this stuff? They're climbing all the features, climbing all. And I just remember thinking that they were superheroes and that I was so like out of depth. I was, I was at the wrong end of the pool. Had no business being there. And they waited for me, and I'd ride, and they waited for me, i catch up, they waited for me. I remember getting to Green Mountain, I'm like, dude, that's the longest thing I've ever done. That was like the most brutal ride of all time, ever. <laughs> and looking now, 13 years later, you're asking me to think of transformative rides. It's almost the, the looking glass that allows that to be a transformation, to think that was the biggest adventure I'd ever done, and it was way out, way out of scope for me. And now I'm like, dude, that's like a small part of one of our road races. Right. Right? That's, that's not even like the big deal. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's just a testament no. to like how far you can go with the, with the game. It's hilarious. You know, again, it, you know, looking in that rearview mirror, like it's so, it, it, you're right. It is transformative. And when I think about around the same era, like 2008, 2009, like think about the bike I was on, like I worked at a bike shop, so I had the cool shit, but like, you know, I would bring a full camelback and food to go to Lair of the bear, which is a 
twelve and a half mile out and back with two thousand twenty. I don't even know if it has two thousand feet of climbing. Yeah, it's a it's a. You don't even need a water bottle. But like, <laughs> but like, and in Colin, I we were the same. Like we would like, you know, we would bring like hammer gel and like up a, a camelback full of water and just like, yeah, you, you look back on that shit and you're just like, what? <laughs> no, I know, I know, and that's that, that ride in particular. In particular, we set a shuttle up, dude. <laughs> like the start and terminus of that ride is is four and a half miles of bike path. We yeah. set up a shuttle. Yeah, you know, it, yeah. it's just it's funny what you know. That's what it's easy for you to say with a whole calf. <laughs> God, dude, it was unreal what he could do. Yeah, with with like missing thirty percent of a leg. Dude, it's crazy. But. uh yeah, it's just it's just it's just weird where you know, and that's all sport, right? If you look at what what bike parks are doing, if you look at what downhill courses are now, if you look at what what bikes are able to do just across the board, it's it's crazy how fast. You know, when we had um, a guest on a while back, we talked about like technology of bikes and what they've done for just the evolution of the sport, and we can see it in just in just a thirteen year time span. I can see the evolution of that 26 inch stump jumper to my bikes plural today and what they can do is, is wild. Um, in these, these types of rides, when looking back, you can see it. And I think that was, what's more transformative for me now looking back and I go, I just, I just, to this day, I ride those trails and I remember those feelings on, I remember crossing the bridge, uh, at chimney Gulch going up chimney Gulch Yeah, and they waited for me at the bridge. Yeah. The bridge is not that far. It's really not. It's not even the halfway point. (laughs) And I remember them waiting, crossing the bridge, and I was like, oh, my God, I'm freaking smoked. And he gave me um, sport beans, right? I remember him giving me sport beans. I'm like, oh, thank God, dude, I need these. I need these sport beans. I couldn't have been riding for more than 26 minutes at that yeah. point. Yeah. And I was like, oh, thanks for the sport beans. You're not yeah. going to make it. Yeah. He's like, yeah, man, I eat these sport beans. It keeps me going. <laughs> like, Got to eat. Got to eat. It's just funny. That's um, awesome. I still ride that trail, and I still have those feelings creep back up. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Pretty fun. Um... My next one is 2015. When's your next one? Go for it. I think mine's a, a, just a little bit sooner than that, but uh, my last two kind of make sense together. Okay. Uh, so this is this was my mulligan on the race. 2015 was the first year I signed up for a Leadville ever. And um, I don't even know necessarily how much the event itself was part of the transformation so much as the journey to the event. So I can almost say it's it's like the race, yes, was the catalyst. Mm-hmm. But it was the 10 months before that. Secret to you listeners, um, that's the truth with all racing, <laughs> which is why we want you to do it. <laughs> it is the journey. It is. Um, and the reason it was so key in my development as a mountain biker, um, which ties back kind of into what you're – story just now was which is it, it just like it changed the scope of what be, what was what the the possibility of an adventure on a mountain bike could be for me um whether i approached my training correctly or incorrectly it was incorrectly <laughs> um it made me a better cyclist it you know the journey was it took mountain biking from this thing that i did a couple of times three times a week with my buddies and we'd go do 10 miles here or there um, but it was always just about the descent and it was, it was like, it was a very two dimensional, um, 
approach to mountain biking. You know, it was very flat. Like it was fun. Um, and I won't say that racing is what like mountain biking is not fun unless you're racing. I would never say that. Um, but being, having the confidence in my fitness allowed me to have more fun on bike rides. Um, and that was, that was pretty pivotal. Um, just cause you know, all the way up until that year, I was the, the slow guy. Like I, I'd be right in the mix on any descent, you know, not first, not last, but in there. Um, but I was the guy getting sport beans at the, at the bridge, even though I've been riding for a long time, I just never cultivated that fitness ever. And I wasn't scared to do hard rides. You know, we'd go and do long days out at Buffalo Creek, um, you know, go do Deer Creek Canyon, which is an extremely steep and technical mountain bike ride, um, a little bit South of Denver. Like I would go do those things, but everybody just knew they were going to be waiting for Mm me. Um, and that year putting in the time and putting in the energy and like really like committing myself to the craft of being a better bike rider. Um, I did, that was the first year I did any sort of skills coaching. I mean, there was a lot of firsts for that year and it was all in the interest of becoming a better bike rider so that I could tackle this thing that I had off in August. Um, and so I could tell you the story of Leadville, um, the, the reader's digest is it's fucking hard. (laughs) Um, and it's hard in a completely different way to doing Breck Epic, but I could tell you that I would never have dreamed of doing Breck Epic if I had never done my first Leadville. Um, and so I, I, again, like just to, to really start developing fitness for the bike, as opposed to just being like, bikes are super cool and I like having nice bikes and I do this sometimes. Yeah. What, so as you're saying this, as you're talking through it, it <clears throat> there's a lot of identity wrapped up in that, right? Um, because what you're saying is that like the transformative piece was changing your identity as a bike rider from right the slow guy that that likes to go downhill to this like three dimensional. Like, it's all about all of it, you know. Yeah. Have you did you find that like after was it like I crossed the finish line at Leadville 2015? And the identity is gone, or do you see like that that thing still that identity can persist or creep up? Or honestly, I mean, I think the the, the old identity, mm-hmm. yeah, the, the old yeah, slow yeah. guy identity, yeah, the old slow guy identity. It depends on who I'm riding with. I mean, realistically, like you know, we just hired a new guy at the shop, and he's working out really well, and we're talking about bike riding and racing, and like you know, I brag about our team to a certain degree, you know, between. We have we have some fast dudes on the team there, yeah. and fast women too. Hell, for that matter, our team is going to be fast. Like, arguably, even in the scope of commitment to training and and everything that I'm doing, I'm still going to be one of the slower riders on this team. Full stop. And I'm okay with it. Um, so it's one of those things where like the barometer gets kind of jacked up, right? Right. <laughs> like yeah. if I go and ride, so I did a you know and. It, also look at like um, Tony who works here at the shop, like tail end of the summer I was doing rides with Tony and like, I'm willing to bet most of the time he's barely getting out of zone one. Right. You know, so the barometer gets a little bit messed up. So are there times that I'm like, feel like the slow guy? Absolutely. But it's only because I'm riding with blazing fast people. Right, And that's what I mean is that like, um, 
when I say by identity is like the slow guy identity, the slow guy reality is just slow guy reality, right? Like yeah. if I go ride with, if I go ride with a pro team that's in the pro peloton on my road bike, I'm going to be the slow guy by a long margin, right? Yeah. But I'm not a slow guy, right? right? Like my identity is not a slow guy. Yeah. I'm just with Ferraris, right? So yeah. the identity of a slow guy, pre-Leadville 2015 for you. That guy doesn't come back. Yeah. And that's that's what I was I was curious about. Yeah. I mean, you have I, this, I, get, I get what you're saying. A big leap where it's yeah. like no, the like the whole etch a sketch has been shaken clear. Yeah, no, no, that's a different drawn person. By by making that transformation into, you know, and in, in, in the the intensity and the commitment, not commitment, the commitment's always there. The intensity and the uh, level of training and and the meticulous nature can kind of ebb and flow, but like the old the the slow guy mentality is gone. Yeah, like. I'll blow myself up trying to make sure that I'm not the slow guy. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I mean, again, I don't, I don't, and I think this, that's perfect. Like it wasn't about the race. Like it really wasn't. So I don't even really need to violate my own rule. <laughs> right. No, no, yeah. You know, that shift, that, that shift's evident now, but I also think it's, it, what's what gives you a soft spot for more of the people that you interact with here at the shop or like through the team or through whatever that they're, they're in that spot. You know, like if anyone is like debating on doing or not doing an event, I think that you're the perfect person to talk to about it only because of that, that experience that you had, you know, for sure. Yeah. Well, connect with them better. Yeah. Yeah. People call me unrelatable. (laughs) (laughs) Can't possibly imagine why. My uh, my next ride is uh, 2012, the end of 2012 uh, riding season, and my next two rides are connected because there is a there's a trail here in Colorado that uh, has eaten me for lunch many a time, and the first time it ate me for lunch, chewed me up and spat me out was was this ride at the end of the riding season in 2012. The trail is called, um, well, it's aptly named the Colorado Trail. <laughs> That's some bitch. <laughs> and I only say it and I watch you chuckle and laugh because that fucker eat you up too and spat you out of its ass before. I mean, that trail gets a, a, a major honorable mention on my list. Dude, you know, I just watched, uh, who's Mustache Man? What's the pro rider? No, uh, McElveen, Payson. Hey, watch his YouTube. He got done, chewed up, and spit out the back ass into the Colorado Trail and didn't finish it. Yeah. This thing has my number, okay? So, into that season, I, uh, my buddy Seth, um, Seth Hughes, he's a photographer in town. I had met him through my work with Sports Authority. He's a photographer for Sports Authority. Uh, he's subsequently gone on to live the coolest life of anyone that I know because he's got a 27-foot Airstream and a big old 350, and they started on a one-year experiment, and they have been – boondocking for the last well six years unreal um but he wanted to ride the colorado trail and he wanted to do it in pieces and he said hey man you want to do this colorado trail ride with me now i had at this point in time that stump jumper i said i bought off craigslist got stolen out of my garage i got insurance money on like the replacement value deal the insurance does which is super dope and so now i have a brand spanking new 2013 specialized stump jumper right this is pre-harley you guys so Still, but I think I met. I think I met you when you had that. I had that bike. Yeah, that's when we met. Um, So I got this bike. We're gonna do the Colorado Trail, and we're gonna bike pack the whole thing. No, no, no. We're just gonna do a chunk. 
Okay. So we were going to do, uh, we did the chunk from Kenosha Pass to Leadville was the plan. Kenosha Pass to Leadville. So we had slated for three days. Um, we did all kinds of research. Like I was over at Seth's house a couple of times. He bought the book. We're going through the book. We're mapping out where we're going to go. First day camping, this, that. like we're getting all of our gear down. We're figuring out what we're going to bring. So this was my first real foray into like bike adventuring, using the bike as your adventure tool on, on something pretty substantial. Right. So we get all packed up for this thing and, and we're going to take off and, and head for it. We started on a, a morning as a three day stretch. Well, this is before I understood bike packing had special things called bike packing bags that could go on your bike. So I carried everything. So I had a 31 pound backpack. <laughs> we had water, filtration did, device, did you, stove. Did you know enough uh, or at least have somebody in your life that was like, yo, like readjust your suspension? No. Oh, no, I rode my bike as I normally rode my bike and I had a 30 pound backpack on. And we just went out and we did it. So I was trying to cut weight everywhere I knew where to cut weight. And this is before I knew anything. So I, instead of taking a tent and sleeping bag and all that stuff, I took a hammock. So all I had was a hammock. Um, so I took a hammock and a sleeping bag. And then the food, the stove, in uh, the water, and what, like whatever else, the food, all the stuff I thought I needed. And it starts off fine, right? Like Kenosha Pass, no big deal. It always deal. does. Yeah, it starts off great. Like, this is so much fun, dude. We're out here. What section were you doing again? Say it one more time. So, Kenosha Pass to Leadville. Okay. So, everything everything's going to be all right. So, we start off as all good. It's all fun. It's all, we're descending down Kenosha uh, off the backside to the campsite there and um, descending down, having a ball of fun. Like, this is fucking awesome. It's like, we're adventurers, man. We get to that first night, and that was a good, it was a good day, you know? Dude, we only think we only did like 33 miles, right? Did you ride Kenosha, Georgia, and down the backside? Yeah. Okay. We were Kenosha, Georgia, down the backside and camped on the backside. Probably not quite not, not before the, the climb up to, to go over to Breck. Yes. Okay. So that's where we camped. There's a campground there. So I throw up my hammock. Uh, I found out really quickly that sleeping in a hammock looks cool and like advertisements, but it is a horrible idea. In like practice, you know, because yeah. it's fucking cold. Like yeah, it's super say, cold. You're just surrounded by air. Yeah, you have no ground insulation. It's terrible. So I had rain gear, and so I have. I end up in the middle of the night. I'm I'm free. I'm literally freezing. I'm shaking. I'm not I'm not sleeping, and I end up laying uh, my rain gear down in the bottom of my hammock and sleeping on top of that to try to create a barrier. But I was just frigid. Like I had all my clothes on. Wake in the morning, make breakfast. Have all my clothes on. Start riding. Have all my clothes on. I mean, your body, like, that's like core body temperature oh, dropping. Oh, dude, yeah. Right? You're like, that's hard to come back from. Yeah, no, like, bone cold is tough. Like, yeah. we've all done it before. You've done, like, a cold bike ride. You go and you're like, I'm freaking bone cold, dude. And you can take a 15, 20-minute shower, and you're still cold, yeah. right? So we get on to the next day, and uh, we have a couple of mechanicals. Like, I tear a tire. He has another situation with, with one of his tires. And so we make it to uh, Frisco. And at this point, we feel like we've... We feel like we're on the Oregon Trail, and we've just <laughs> forded like the first eighty percent of the game. Like right. we feel like grand event. This is Lewis and Clark shit, right? Yeah. So we've get, we've gotten to uh, Frisco, which again, that's like a single day ride now. Yeah. Not like I shuttle that and then do more shit or whatever, right? So we get to Frisco, we eat food, we get our tires all fixed up, we have that deal, and then we start making the haul up um, out of out of Frisco on the Colorado Trail up towards Copper. So you got to go up and over. You know, the past, dude. Mm-hmm. You're talking wheeler past stuff. Yeah. Right? And uh, past. you're going up Miner's Creek and you're going, you're, you're hike a bike in. He had a, I remember his bike, he had a Nomad, a custom built Nomad. Um, 
definitely not the bike for bike packing. Bike. He's it's a twenty six inch wheel. I think at the time, yeah. at the time it would have been twenty six. Twenty six inch wheel, and I have hundred sixty. I mean, just a, yeah, great for Winter Park or Keystone. Terrible, Terrible for a bike packing trip. So we're making our way up to the ridge between Frisco and Copper. We're hike a bike in. Uh, we're eating like uh, whatever it is we're eating, but we thought we we. As we're eating it, like, dude, they, this company should be paying us. Do like, we're out here, we're adventuring, <laughs> like, dude, no one's done this before. Like, look, no one's now. done this before. <laughs> like, no one's ever done what we're doing, dude. They're the only ones out here, Just killing the game. Making our way, we end up camping that night before we even get to Copper, right? Because we're blown out, just wrecked. Camp, and then the next morning we get up and over, and we do that descent into Copper Mountain, and we end up calling it at Copper. We end up, we were done. That was yeah. our our deal, and. uh much like that ride I did in 08, this felt like something that, again, has never been done before and could never be, like, most people can't do this, dude. <laughs> like, it's only us, man. It's so good. <laughs> like, it's only us. Uh, like, we're fucking badasses. Like, that's how we came out of there thinking. Like, yeah. I mean, I realize now that that's not the case, but that was one of those, mo- that was the first time I ever adventured and it was like, I'm self-sufficient. I got to figure out how to do all this stuff. And, you know, the no ride around philosophy, I think, was like at play even back then. We just went. Yeah. You know, um, there's a blissful ignorance kind totally. of like right now, there's so much information out there, uh, you know, on what gear, what bags, what, what bike. Now, it creates paralysis, even. Uh, yeah. I there's mean, so much information. For sure that it creates paralysis. Like, I don't know. Do I need a gravel bike or do I need yeah. an adventure or do I need like a like Like, like a hardtail with a short travel? Like, what's the right thing? Man, I don't know. Like, there, I, I actually end up envious sometimes of riders who have that, like, just to, I don't know, this is what I have and this is the thing I want to go do. Just go do it. I'm just going to go do it. We, I, I got back from. This year, I've been fortunate. Twenty twenty one, like it doesn't go unnoticed with myself. Like I've got to travel a lot with the bike. Um, I was leaving the airport last last night with I think Abby. You've traveled, I know, like, most weekends. Yeah, like five out of eight weekends of this year. And we're out of the airport last night, and I'm walking to the car. I'm like, Abby, you know, I'm like, I'm just, I'm gonna stay in town for a while. I'm just kind of burned <laughs> out. And she looked at me. She's like, What? And I, I know it sounds like super privileged bullshit, but like I just. I just don't want to go to the airport next week. I just want to stay. (laughs) So I've been really lucky. But the one thing I've learned this year uh, in last travel with the bike is when you travel with the bike, you you just have one bike, right? Right. Unlike your garage where you and I have. Yeah, what what bike do you want that day? Right. It's like, well, what trail am I doing? What's the most perfect, perfect bike for the way I want to ride this one trail today, right? Like we have all these options. And what I've noticed traveling with the bike is it's just the one you have. So I'm riding gravel roads or single track or a mountainside and I just have my gravel bike and it's a ton of fun. Or I'm riding killer downhill, but I got to ride 20 miles of concrete on a 160 mil travel mountain bike, whatever. It's just the one, there's a blissful ignorance to having one thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, there, I wouldn't even say like, there's almost like, if you want to get like a little bit deeper than we usually get, like there's almost like a purity of the sport to it. Like that's what mountain biking was in a certain way. Like, we're just going to like take this thing and make it work and go do crazy shit on it. I have this super, for those of you that can't see through um, speakers, I have this like super serene smile that I just wasn't, <laughs> I didn't close my eyes and nodded as he said that because um, that's why I single speed. Yeah. And with you having oh, on, on the way. I'm joining the idiot club. You are joining the idiot club. <laughs> the blissfully ignorant blue pill club. Yeah. The, um, it's always wrong. So it's always right. I ordered a single speed. 
um, for anybody not quite following that thread. <laughs> and you're going to see it because that's, that's what it is. Yeah. Um, even though people are like, what's the big difference with gears? It's just, no, it's just, it's, it's a little less decision-making yeah. and it's just go. And that's what one bike does for you. Um, yeah. in these times that I'm talking about these experiences, I only, I only had that. I only had a bike. That was the one bike I had. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah, our uh, our teammate Rob, he's like he he somewhere I can't remember his exact words, but you know he he definitely echoed the um what it was his comment was something along the lines of like are you ready to never have the right bike for any ride was basically what yeah he said. yeah and uh, and like it's kind of funny like the genesis of how I got from like like I'm scared of riding single speed to be clear like that seems really hard. Um, well, let me, let, let me clear that up a little bit for you. It's really fucking hard. <laughs> no, I know. Um, <laughs> but, like, so we just hired this guy, Josh, uh, from, from Tulsa, and uh, it, which is basically, it's not below sea level, but it might as well be. Um, and he rides a single speed. Colin is now racing duo with you at Firecracker 50 right. on his single speed. Uh, Tony is a single speed guy. fast AF single speed guy. Um, you, of course, are like the the four people that I surround myself most of the time with are single speeders. And now you like, like there was no active peer pressure, but I definitely <laughs> felt judged. <laughs> um, so do you uh, do you need to? Do your second story back to back? Yeah, I'm going to go right into this thing. Okay. The second one is it has to be told back to back because I think it really helps. Um, I guess it helps show how much of a moron I am. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why. That's all I want to tell. So it's so funny how you can always dice those things up. Like, am I an idiot or am I determined? Yeah, uh, or am I determined idiot? And that's <laughs> definitely lethal combo right that there. That is definitely <laughs> the character in the following story. So that first Colorado Trail deal was, you know, we didn't know anything. We went out and did, and it it was we didn't finish what we were trying to do, right? We didn't get to Leadville. So in the in in that time after that, and in, in the years, you know, in my development, I've gone from getting into racing to doing okay at racing to winning some racing to man i'm starting to really do some shit so 2016 i go through kind of a bunch of really good successes and it culminates with the leadville 100 and finishing the leadville 100 do a freaking badass holy shit so i want to build on that one do a bikepacking trip so i go out and i do the cocapelli trail solo Solo Cocopelli. Drove to the trailhead, rode the thing, got into bikepacking, understood there's actually bags you're supposed to buy. There's lightweight, ultralight gear. Like, there's specifics. I get all the stuff. Do the Cocopelli Trail, 142 miles. Fruited a Moab. Boom. Killed it. I'm on to something. Next Colorado Trail, I'm going to go do the whole thing. Go a whole another year. Successful riding. Winning bike races. 2017. Leadville. Get the big buckle. Like, I am basically the fucking man. I'm going to do the Colorado Best bike rider ever. Best bike rider. Like, Full stop. Yeah, you can't. Duh. Nobody better. Duh. Right? Go get my La Plata Grande. I'm the man. <laughs> so I'm going to do the Colorado Trail. And so I'm so confident that this thing's going to happen. I've got experience on it now. i got all the light bikepacking gear. 
Um, I, I just did the Coca-Pelli Trail solo the year before. Back-to-back Leadville fit. Like, let's go, man. So I go all the way in, and I rent a car from a DIA SUV. I take my fully loaded bike, bike packing bike. I drive to Durango. I drop the car, rent a car off at the airport. You've heard a lot of this story. Drop it off the airport. I go to a hotel. I stay the night. I wake up in the morning. I throw away my flip-flops in my shorts that I traveled in because I put on my cycling kit. Um, it's all I'm wearing for two weeks or whatever. All I'm going to do it in seven days. Whew. Okay. 542 miles, right? Yeah, it's like 580 miles. And 75,000 vert? Stupid amount of vert. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. Right, I'm going to do the whole trail, though, okay? 10,000 10, vertical feet a day, most likely. Basically, for seven days. Um, the guys that win it, they do it in, like, they've broken four days now. They've gone sub four days. So I, I was like, oh, seven days. I can totally do it in seven days. I've finished level 100 twice. I've done the Coca-Cola Trail. I'm basically bikes gift to the, or bike riders gift to the world. So let's do this. So I start riding, and uh, it all starts off great. Swing by a Starbucks, grab an Americano, grab a breakfast sandwich, put it in my bike pack for later. Drink the coffee as I'm riding through Durango. So cool. Got the week off. What was the bike, though? That was... Specialized Fat Boy. That we built... Built 29, 29 plus, plus wheels. wheels for. Fully rigid. Yeah. Carbon with fork, a dropper. aluminum frame. With a dropper. That lasted a day. Um, so, <laughs> but fully kitted out. With all the stuff I needed, plus loaded three water bottles on I it. I mean, it looked dope. It looked way dope, right? I still bike pack with it. It was 53 pounds. Loaded. But you know how much weight was on my back? Zero. Like seven pounds. Yeah. I had, the, like I had an the, extra bottle. Yeah, like I basically had some water and some food, like a quick access rain gear or something like yeah. that. But I knew better than having the 30-pound bike pack. I knew right. I didn't need to do that. I didn't have a hammock this time. I had a tent. I had, a, I had even a lighter weight stove. Like, I, I was... Dude, I was dialed. Like I'm the man, yeah. right? I remember, like I remember the bike coming into yeah, the old shop and did going the through final the whole tune thing. On yeah, it, got it all ready. So you're loaded for bear. I was loaded. I was ready, dude. That was the most miserable two days of bike riding <laughs> that I have ever done. It started off all cool. In the trail out of Durango, is chunky as shit. Like just crazy. Like the South San Juans are just like built out of like all the extra rock that the devil didn't want in hell. <laughs> and then he dropped him on the hillside. That's what they dug out to make the fiery pits of hell. Totally. <laughs> totally. So, uh, anyhow, I, it started off and there's like trail traffic and I'm, I'm a mountain biker and I'm like, I'm the best mountain biker ever. So I'm riding up all this shit and like wrestling this bike up. And so I'm just exhausting myself, but I'm having a hell of a good time. And, and, you know, Four or five hours into it, I'm like, this is a hell of a day, and I'm not going as fast as I thought I was going to. I get caught in a hailstorm. I didn't have, like, hail gear, because who does? There's no such thing. It's fucking hail. <laughs> and so I'm at 13,000 feet getting, getting, hailed, on is getting the worst. hailed on, and I found, like, a tarp, like, left over at, like, some bike campsite, and I rolled up, like, a burrito and a tarp, and I'm just getting pelted with hail. Then I get out, and I ride through the hail, and then now there's not hail, and I'm descending, and... I set up, I'm going to ride through the night. It's cold. I set up a camp. I'm going to wake up early, fucking early. It's so cold. I stay in the tent. I eat leftover mashed potatoes that were cold from the night before. I couldn't finish them. Like, this is not what I thought it was going to be. Determined idiot. Determined idiot. Not, consequently, learning. Guys, just I'm going to ask the listenership, does that need to be a shirt? (laughs) I'm not at this point, um, day two, getting, like, packing up my stuff and getting... I've realized now that I'm not 
bike riding's gift to the world. <laughs> I'm not the best. I think there's one word for that, and it's uh, called humble. Oh, dude, the pie. I didn't even get to eat it because life threw it at 100 miles an hour in and then through my facial cavity. Like, but my, like, I just got smashed by humble pie so hard. Yeah. That I'll never forget the lesson. I, um, I ended up descending into Silverton, which I was supposed to get in like a day, and it took me two days. I remember descending into Silverton, and I was like, I, there, is, there is no amount of recovery that I could go through. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm not having fun. I'm not going to make seven days. This isn't cool. Like, bikepacking is stupid. All the people that think they want to do is stupid. I've told parts of the story before. What I haven't shared with everyone is, like, the depths of how much I hated it. I, right. I hated it. I hated it so bad that I'm done. So I had to Silverton, and um, fortunately, like, I had about 15 minutes of decision-making because there was a train in Silverton that was going back to Durango. And I bought a ticket on that train. I got hot dogs on that train. I got Coke, <laughs> I got Pepsi on that train. I sat and ate like those old like hot dogs off a roller. That like is who eats those? If you're not nine years old, you can't eat them. It was terrible. I rode I the train it. back. The I story goes it. on. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but I had to like there were no rental cars available. Like it was a. I remember you 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 called me and said you were like driving a a U-Haul box rent, truck. Dude, back. I had to rent a U-Haul box truck because there were no rental cars because the floods in Houston. I thought they just the rental car wouldn't let you carry a fifty three pound bike in one of their cars, and you had to have a truck. <laughs> no, I got the, there wasn't a car, so I had to rent a box truck, and uh, yeah, it was just you know I um you did call me. I remember you called me, and you said the first words were bike packing is stupid. Do you want to swing by my house, pick up my mountain bike, and come spend a few days in Durango? <laughs> yeah, because I was trying to figure out a way to get someone to drive seven hours to Durango. With your bike. With the bike you wanted to ride. Because I needed to ride home. I couldn't get home. Yeah. You know? um, not to mention I had the, the week free, but it was just um, back-to-back stories. You know, ignorance and going out and thinking, like, this is what adventuring is to... I've got it all figured out. This I know what adventuring is, yeah. and I still got eaten for lunch. Like, yeah. And I think that's what the bike does for people. I know it's what it does for me is that no matter how good you get, there's still an opportunity to see like it can still change me on, on every ride. You know, It can still show me where I can get better. It can still show me maybe a, a part of me that like my normal nine to five job can't show me, like a type of hurt or a type of struggle that – maybe isn't so real when you talk about like an emotional relationship, like a marriage or a friendship, like it, it can chew you up and spit you out. That damn trail has done that to me. And I, I still go out on it, man. Every year, like I ride sections of it or I had segments of it. Hell, I'm at, I was going to do the 2020 Colorado trail race. You know, I'm, I'm going to do that. It's going to be tabled now, not doing it in 21, but 22. Like I'm still going out. There. I'm still going to go after it, but I'm going to learn another lesson. Like I'm going to go in there even more prepared, even more optimized with a 38 pound setup. Right. And I'm still probably going to get chewed up and spit it's out. Still gonna, it's still hard, man. That's what the fringe is. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, it, it there's, there's always, a, it always ends up being an accidental theme for us. And uh, you know, it's how does that bar keep going higher and higher and higher? Right. And like, it, and it, like, and every time you do something hard, then the bar moves. It might be incremental, but it moves. It does, and it, it's nothing safe anymore, right? Like no, uh, no, no. FKT is safe. No, like I did this on a bike is safe because 
everything just gets to be crazy. Uh, and, and then when that happens, your idea of what's feasible jumps. Like just last weekend, Abby and I were in Seattle. We're, we're having um, sushi with our buddy Alex. We met down in Patagonia hiking. Um, and I know what you guys are thinking. Why were you hiking when you have bikes? You can't bike <laughs> in the national park there. And over sushi, he's like, dude, I need another adventure like that. He's like, hey, you want to go to Iceland and ride the ring, the ring road all the way around Iceland? I'm like, yeah, I do, dude. Just rock and roll. Let's do it. And we're already looking at plane tickets. Yeah. Right? Like 2016, you asked me. 2015, you're like, hey, dude, you want to go ride around Iceland on a bike? I'm like, what? Uh, How big is it? Yeah. Do I, <laughs> do, I look like a, do I look like a world explorer? And instead now, you fast forward and what, what can be real is real. And you're like, yeah, yeah looking at fights, right. 480 bucks. Let's go. Yeah, let's go. So, First week of June. Hey, man. Let's, let's. And then you text Harley and you're like, hey, guess what we're doing? Yeah. First 10 days in June. So that's my last one I wanted to like expand because I could tell stories all day. But I know. And that's a fun thing. Like I, I, there was like a, a stiff weeding out process. Yeah. <laughs> like Colorado Trail is my, is my thread. And I think it's kind of neat because it brings it back to like what like our community is about. Like we're, we're just local dudes. Yeah. And that trail just, um, damn. Yeah. It's your, uh, it's your white whale. It is my freaking... Uh, <laughs> It's my Mustang. It's, yeah. it's my Eleanor. It's your Eleanor. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully, uh, hopefully that that story changes someday. Um, my last one is going to pluck at the heartstrings a little bit. Um, every jersey that we've made collectively since 26, 2017 has had a little tagline on it that says RRFF. And we know what it is, and we don't care. Like, I've never gone through any effort to explain it to new people. Like, it's just on the jersey. Deal with it. <laughs> like, and it will always be on the jersey. Um, it's got a little icon of, like, an angel riding a bike. Um, it's a pretty cool uh, little logo that um, our friend Ryan came up with. And it all revolves around our friend Sean. Sean's the nicest dude in the world. He could be having the worst day and you wouldn't know it. The guy always had a smile on his face. Um, and he had a pretty gnarly battle with cancer over a lot of years. Uh, going away, getting healthy, coming back, coming back worse. Like, I mean, it was, I can't even imagine, like, as a friend to somebody who cared about this guy, um, it was hard to watch and and go through and I wasn't even going through it. Right. I was just like going through it by proxy, like, you know, seeing him and his wife and their kid and, and just dealing with it. Um, but the guy was unwavering, man. I mean, the guy just always had a smile on our face or on his face rather. And, um, the RRFF for anybody that doesn't know means ride really fucking fast. And, uh, towards the end of, uh, his battle with cancer, I was real close to the end. He was in and out and, and not super coherent. And um, in a moment of clarity, he looked at his wife and he was just like, you know, I just want to go outside and ride my bike really fucking fast. Um, and so it stuck. I mean, that was like through all of that craziness, that was um, that was the thing he wanted most. Um, and he was my support crew for 2015 and 2016, um, at Leadville. And so, um, his family had a cabin out there and they were always gracious enough. They're always, both times were gracious enough to let us stay out there. Um, and, and just use this awesome space that they had as like our, our HQ. Um, 
and uh, you know he he you know coming through Twin Lakes is always where we set up our uh, our aid station. So going out and coming back in, you know, it's always great. My wife was there both times, getting to see her, but also getting to see Sean and knowing that some part of him was kind of living vicariously through us doing the race because he couldn't. He he could still ride a little bit, but he didn't have the. Uh, the strength to like pedal up a hill. So if we could get him to the top of a hill, he was a monster downhiller, but it was, it was getting him up there. So I, I honestly think that he enjoyed just being out there and being around a bike race as much as we enjoyed doing it. Um, early 2017, uh, Sean passes away and um, it's a pretty crushing blow to, I mean, we we're a pretty tight knit family at the bike shop. Um, but one of the last bike rides he got to do was, um, Fooses up off of Monarch Crest and I've done Monarch Crest in the past, um, which is an iconic Colorado mountain bike ride. Um, if you come, you should do it. If you live here and you haven't done it, you should do it. If you've already done it, you should probably do it again. It's dope. It's every year ride. I am. <laughs> um, but for as iconic as as Monarch Crest proper, like the classic, including Rainbow at the end, is um, if you can believe it, there's better trails up there, and one of those trails is Fooses, um, and that was like the last bike ride Sean got to do as like a healthy adult male mountain biker, and you know again, you know, speaking to the community of of people that we have that surround. Um, you know, the old single track factory, now this bike shop, the gym, the podcast, like it's a really solid, great group of people. And, uh, we all took it pretty hard, obviously when Sean passed away and we, um, we went and did uh, a memorial ride for him that August. So we waited till it was prime conditions and everything, uh, lined up and, uh, we went and rode Fooses, and the ride was great. The The mountain biking there is phenomenal. Um, Sean's wife, Megan, came out. She said some words. We spread some ashes. It was it was, uh, it was just a, a great day. We, you know, we got a, a super dope little Airbnb. We all stayed up there the night before. You know, we went and had margaritas and enchiladas at the boathouse afterwards. Um, couldn't ask for – there's probably – God, shit, there must have been 18 of us. Um and uh, the riding was just, I mean, it couldn't, like the conditions and the riding couldn't have been any better. Solid group of people. Everybody was about the same speed. So there was no waiting. There was, I mean, it was, you could not have asked for a, like a more prime day on a bike with a better group of people. And we finished the bike ride with a big cheers um, out at the highway. And the reason that that's such a, a pivotal bike ride for me is if we look at that evolution from, you know, being a kid with like the starry eyed adventure, you know, soap opera lens to discovering racing and becoming a more serious mountain biker, um, that ride drove home the, uh, the, why do you do it? And, and for me, it was the people that I get to do it with and the memories that end up surrounding those rides. And so that, I feel like that ride 
rounded me out as a mountain biker because I had been, I had gotten a little, you know, I'd fallen back into that, like more two dimensional rider, um, being so focused with training and racing and being super serious about it. Um, and so, yeah, that, that's my last one. It, it really, it rounded me out to be the mountain biker that I am today. Dude, that was, <laughs> your story arc was pretty good, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> I told you, I put a lot of thought into it. I wasn't fucking around. No, that, uh, right, thing with like, you know, death or tragedy or like unfortunate circumstances or any like life things like that. You start to go like, what's important? And when you get to have that and the bike's still involved, um, that's that means it's it's your identity is is the bike. The bike is part of it. Like you're you're sewn together. Um and I think that's what's that's what's great. That's what's great about about this whole thing is that first off, none of us have to do it, right? Like you don't you don't have to you don't have to go out and mountain bike, you don't have to go out and race bikes, you don't have to go out and ride with your friends or you have to go out and adventure and do solo giant rides like we choose to and then it's those moments from having chosen to and then being done and that after that hot shower watch that movie with colin or making that cheers on the road or me in a u-haul box truck driving back to <laughs> trying to get somebody to come bail you out <laughs> just someone to hang out with <laughs> but it's in those moments like in the aftermath where like I just have such a great uh, admiration and respect for what the bike can do um, because we chose it. And then, and, and then through that, um, kind of the experiences kind of choose us and yep. our openness to them. So freaking awesome, man. Um, there's more to come, right? Like that's the thing about getting on the bike. Like there's just the potential to always, there's always an option and always an opportunity rather for it to change something about you. Yeah. Um, and if you're open to it and see where it takes you, it's pretty cool. No doubt. Well, I think uh, I think that's probably going to do us do that do it for us today. Uh, blah blah blah. Holly did a really good job talking until the very I end. I used here. it all up. <laughs> 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 I only have so many words per day, and they're gone. Oh, that's amazing, <laughs> so. guys. We're going to have an update on this uh, single speed build of Harley's on the next episode. Yeah, it's uh, figuring it's, uh, out what this is all going to be. Today is the twenty second uh, that we're recording. I think it's supposed to ship on March 1st. We'll see what happens. We'll see what comes through. The- I got the build picked out. I just need to find parts. And, uh, and and we'll watch that. And then um, on our next episode, we're going to dig into where we're going to be on the race season. We've got a hell of a roster of races and a bunch of badass riders. And so we're committed to a ton of things all over the country, all over the, actually the continent. And we're going to do a little recap on that as we talk to you next time. But for now, get out there, ride your bikes. If you can't ride them outside, Yes, you can. Just buy some warm <laughs> shit. Later. Thanks for listening, guys. Don't we? You're done. So get the fuck out. Don't we? You're done. So get the fuck out. Don't we? You're done. So get the fuck out.